Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of chapter 13 of the first book of Kings, that is Malachim Aleph, Parak Gimel. We are up to verse 11. We just read of the uh, uh, curse that a prophet uh, who was nameless in the text, but the tradition has uh, identified him as Edo, <coughs> who had presented himself to the uh, uh, temple, the new temple that Yeravam had put a golden calf in in Beit El during his inauguration ceremony, uh, and the the prediction that he made that this mizbeach, that this altar will be smashed one day, and um, how the miracle happened where Yeravam's arm froze, and the navi had to uh, had to uh, pray to God to have his arm defrost so to speak, to his arm to come back to life, <coughs> and how the Mizbeach broke apart, as he had predicted. And we had uh, read of how Yeravam tried to seduce, so to speak, this Navi, this prophet, into uh, under his influence by inviting him to his house to eat. Uh, the prophet refused <coughs> because he had... Um, he told Yeravam that he's not allowed to do anything in this city. He's not allowed to stop to eat or drink or rest. He can only go deliver his message and leave on a different path that he had taken <coughs> when he came in. And now, this, um, the prophet left caused quite a stir. And on his way out, uh, we hear, read the story that we're about to read of another prophet. And most of the commentaries understand this other prophet that we're about to read about to be a false prophet, to be um, someone who was maybe one of the prophets of Yeravam, someone who was uh, involved in this uh, conspiracy or this actually um, this rebellion really against God uh, by, by with Yeravam's new temple, that this was a false prophet. However, the Abarbanel is, uh, is one of the commentaries who understand this prophet to actually have been a real prophet of God uh, and I'm going to take that approach, and some of what I am going to use to explain what we're about to read today comes from the book that I've quoted before in this podcast by Rabbi Alex Israel, part of the Koran Magid Studies in Tanakh series. I recommend that you read the book. It's really good. That entire series is really good. But uh, some of the ideas come from him, so I have to give credit where credit is due with some tweaks and modifications of my own, as we read through the text, it will we'll be able to understand this motivation of this prophet, what he's doing and why, by understanding him as having been a real prophet of God, as having been someone who was, uh, was true, was real. And this Navi Echad Zakain, there was an elderly Navi, an elderly prophet, Yoshev Beveit El, that lived in Beit El. Now, the first question is, why would a real prophet be living in Beit El? <clears throat> now, why would he be staying in this place, which Yeravam has now converted into a city, a capital of idol worship? And if one really thinks about it, it, it really starts to make sense. Remember how Yeravam started in his career, right? He started in his career as a true champion of the common folk, right? He represented the people. He spoke truth to power. He represented the people. He asked um, the king Rehavam to to lessen the burden on the people. You know, he was uh, he was truly, and he he rebelled against Shlomo against Solomon in a time when Solomon was in decline as well. And 
<clears throat> Yeravam was also promised by God that he was going to be a successful king. So he had all the marks of a leader who had the future behind him, who had God behind him. When he built this new temple, one can imagine that a person, even a prophet, can be confused. Who's the real one here? Who should I be following? Should I be following Rechav Am in Jerusalem? Or should I be following Yerav Am here in Beit El? <coughs> Yerav Am was still speaking the language of this is God, we're worshiping. So, you know, this Navi is kind of sitting and watching. And the, the, his ambivalence here was, we'll, we'll see, in, evident in this verse, which explains something which is harder to understand if you think of him as a false prophet. And Vayavobino, his son came, <coughs> his son came back from this big celebration and told him everything that happened, <coughs> everything that this prophet, this young prophet, had done that day in Beit El. He told him that which he told the king, how he spoke to the king, the predictions he made to the king, and they told it to their father. So apparently he wasn't there. If he was a false prophet, if he was one of Yerav Am's people, why wasn't he there? Well, clearly he wasn't there because he was not sure. He was not sure. Is this real? Is Yerav, He was a real prophet, and, and he wasn't sure which way to go. And one could imagine that with this pl split of the people, <coughs> at a time when Yerav Am started out his career as a righteous person being supported by God, right, that he, he would be confused. So if we understand that, then we can understand the motivation of this prophet throughout all of the events we're going to read. Everything is really boils down to his confusion, right? His trying to figure out which way should I go. So, the father said to him, <coughs> which path did he take to leave the city? <coughs> and his sons showed him the path, the road that he took out of Beit El, that he, the guy, the prophet who had come from Judah. <coughs> Vayomer al-Banav, he said to his sons, saddle up the donkey for me, and they saddled up the donkey, and he rode on the donkey to catch up with, <coughs> the, with the prophet on his way out of Beitel. And he followed after that man of God. And they found him sitting underneath an Ela tree, a kind of tree. Vayomer Elav, and he said to him, Are you the one? Presumably he was resting under the tree. He was walking. He was tired. He sat down. And this is where he caught up to him. And he said, Are you the one that came from Judah? The prophet Vayomer Ani. And he said, Yes, I am. Vayomer love, And he said, Come with me home and let's eat. Now, if, they, if he had been told the whole story, then he had probably also been told, right? If they said before... In, that they told him all of the things that happened, the conversation between him and the, the prophet and the king. And then they would have known, he would have known that this prophet was told not to stay and eat in Beit Lechem. So, so clearly he's, he's already trying to test him. He wants to see. Now, what kind of test is he doing? If he's a real man of God, then he won't come and eat, right? So if he's a real man of God, and, and so if he truly doesn't come to eat, then that would be uh, an indication that what he said was a true prophecy, and then this Navi should actually follow God in Jerusalem and not follow uh, Jeroboam's idols here in Beitel. <coughs> so at first, the Navi, uh, the younger Navi, Vayomer, he says, 
I cannot go and return with you to your house. I cannot eat or drink with you in this place. Because God told me in my prophecy, he said, Don't stay and eat bread. Don't drink. Don't do anything. Don't even return to come back on the same path. You have to lead through a different path. And don't stop for nothing. So he said to him, a further test. Let me see if I can really get him to come with me. He still wasn't sure. You know, maybe he's just saying that because he announced it in public and everyone knows. So he says, I am also a prophet just like you. And a malach, a messenger of God, spoke to me in God's name and said, Bring him back to you, to your house. So you can sit down and have some bread and drink some water. So here he's testing him even further, and the verse says, Ki he was lying to him. So the, the um, in other words, the verse wants us to know that this wasn't a real prophecy. This makes a lot of sense if we understand that this Navi is a real prophet. The real, if a real prophet is, is saying um, that God spoke to me, but the verse wants you to make sure you know, okay, he's a prophet, but he lied to him here. And why would he lie? Again, he's trying to test him out. He really wants to know what's the truth. Is this for real or not? Now, Vayosha Vito, he it doesn't record what his answer, but it records what he did. He returned to his house. And he ate bread and he drank water now. So now this Navi is convinced, right? If this if it's we, if our understanding of the story is correct, so now this Navi is saying, ha, this is this this guy is a fraud. And if he's a fraud, then Yerav Am may be right. Maybe this temple in Beitel is where I'm supposed to be and I'm supposed to support. They were sitting on the table. Um, and here God spoke to the prophet, <coughs> the older prophet, the one who had brought the younger prophet into his house. <coughs> so here we have him receiving an actual prophecy. Another proof that the Abarbanel uses demonstrate that he was a true prophet. Um, and God called out, um, I'm sorry, the word of God came to the Navi, and then after the word of God came to the Navi, he went and called to the, the, the man of God, that had come from Judah, saying as follows, so says God, because you have rebelled against God, you didn't keep the commandment that God has commanded you. And you went and you ate bread and drank water in the, that very place where it was told to you, do not eat bread, do not drink water. The punishment will be that you will not even be buried in your family's grave, which would, would seem to indicate that his death is imminent. Now, at this point, the, the old elder prophet now has received his answer from God, right? That, um, that, uh, that yes, the prophecy was real, right? Because God verified that I told you not to eat here, which is part of the original prophecy. So the prophecy about the destruction of Betel that the prophet made was real, but this prophet had fumbled and made a mistake and didn't listen to God in the end. 
Now, it shouldn't surprise you, this isn't the first time in the Torah that a prophet who God talks to makes a big mistake and turns away. I mean, we just had God speaking to Shlomo Solomon, and we had recorded at the end of his life big mistakes that he made. We have the prophet David, who, was, uh, who also recorded incidents of David speaking to God, uh, right? And, and, um, and then, uh, you know, David's mistakes. We see that, you know, every prophet, even Moshe, even Moses in the Torah was recorded having made a mistake. This, uh, the fact that he made this mistake um, uh, is, is, is not an indicator that he's a false prophet, but it's an indicator that he fell into a trap and he's going to suffer for it, unfortunately. And by he so so now that so bottom line also is, is that this elder prophet now has learned the clear message of with whom lies the truth that Yerav Am who was also a prophet who also heard a prophecy from God who also but who was was to be appointed as a successful leader had made a huge 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 mistake when he broke away from the temple in Jerusalem and built an alternate temple which is, even though he pretended it might be a temple for God, eventually it became a terrible, terrible um, uh, uh, stumbling block, and it led to idol worship, outright idol worship in the northern tribes. So, I, I, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I skipped back. And was after he ate the bread and after he drank, he saddled up his donkey, right, for the uh, Navi, for the prophet that he had brought back. In other words, the elder, the elder prophet saddled up a donkey for the younger prophet. And he went on the road by and on the road he was uh, caught by a lion, by and the lion killed him. And his nivlaso, his corpse, was lying on the road. And the donkey, um, as donkeys uh, often do. They stood next to their owner, and the lion just sat there next to the corpse. The lion didn't eat the person. And there were people passing by, and they saw a corpse on the road. And they saw this lion, this unusual sight, where this lion is lying next to the corpse, not eating it by a bow. And so this caused them to tell the story. The story spread fast. The fact that a lion killed a person was unfortunately then in those days when lions were frequent in the land of Israel um, was probably not, I mean, it's something they would tell, but it's not such unusual news that it should pass through the city quickly. But the fact that the lion was just sitting there, that's a very unusual uh, sight, that the lion makes a kill and doesn't eat it. So they told this over in the city where <coughs> where the elder Navi, the elder prophet, was sitting. So the, the elder Navi, the one who had taken the younger Navi back from the road, he heard this news. And he said, now I know for sure that this man is an Isha Elohim. Because all of the prophecies that, that, um, uh, that were said uh, to him and about him have come true. Because now I know that that which he did, he was rebelling against God, which also verifies further the original prophecy that he said. And God gave him over to a lion, and the lion um, uh, killed him and, and, um, and, and tore him apart. Uh, well, means he broke him, uh, presumably meaning broke his, his neck the way a lion usually kills. 
in the same as God had told him it would do if he were to violate God's command. By the realm of Lamar, and he says to his sons as follows, uh, saddle up the donkey, and he saddled up the donkey. Now knowing that this man wasn't a fraud, he was a true prophet of God, he's a special man, we should honor him. So they went by him, they found his corpse thrown on the road, and the donkey and the lion were sitting there next to this nevela, next to this corpse. The aryeh, the lion, did not destroy the nevela, the corpse. It didn't eat it, I'm sorry. And he had not um, broken or killed uh, the, the, the donkey, and, uh, which is an extremely unusual sight. Uh, one um, wonders what the symbolism of this unusual miracle is. Like, obviously it's unusual, and obviously the point is to show that this was uh, an event ordained by God as opposed to just an ordinary accident. However, I wonder if one might be able to say that this, um, that this was a symbol trying to show the, the Navi something, that, that uh, there's a split, right, between the Aryeh, the Aryeh, which often represents uh, the tribe of Judah, um, that, uh, and the people of the north, um, the people of the northern tribes that split away. And, and this symbolism here is that, is that the lion is not meant to take over and kill, is not meant to fight and kill with the, with the northern tribes. The tribes are not, they, when God hired, made Yeravam, when God uh, told Yeravam he's going to be a king and start his own kingdom, he meant, and we mentioned this earlier in earlier podcasts, that what God wanted was there to be two political entities, but they should be united in their religious uh, uh, worship. They should be united in Jerusalem in their religious worship. Yeravam was separating the two. The, the fact that the lion was lying with its natural enemy without killing it, in this case, lying together with the, the chamor, the donkey, um, which uh, uh, in, uh, you know, so could, could symbolize the um, northern tribes in this, in this image here, is trying to show that they don't need to be enemies that kill each other. They can just be separate. And this could be uh, just an idea of mine reading through these words of what the symbolism of this is. It's more than just a miracle, which would be important enough, but there's a symbol here. There's a meaning here. And that this, this, um, this uh, elder prophet should see what he sees and learn something from it. Then what did the Navi do, knowing the, uh, that, uh, that he was an Ishel Kim, that he was an honorable person, he was a prophet that had been killed? He took the, the man of God's uh, corpse by a Nicheo al and he placed it on the donkey by a Shiveu, and he brought it back to his town by Avo Elir Hanavi Azakim, the Spod Kavro, to say, um, to eulogize him and to bury him by Yanachet Nivlasobi Kivro, and he placed the corpse in his own spot. He was an elder man. He had already reserved this spot for himself, and he placed it there. There's a symbolism in that, too. Why would this old elder prophet place the younger prophet in his own grave? Because to some degree, I mean, to a large degree, he felt responsible. I mean, he invited him. He lied to him. He caused that that prophet should uh, sin. So when somebody you know, causes someone else to sin, the person that causes him is, is 
to a larger degree responsible. It's as if he did it himself. By putting him in his own grave, he's demonstrating that idea of Ayyispadualov. And he woe, he um, eulogized him and said, Hoy Achi, woe is to my brother. So here he's calling him his brother. They both made a huge mistake. And it happened after he buried him by Yomer Alban of Lamar and he sold his children. When I die, bury me in that same grave, right next to his bones. That's where my bones should lay. Because I know that that which he predicted in the name of God is going to happen. To the to the altar in Beitel, and on all of the altars that have now been erected throughout uh, Samaria, throughout the region of the Ten Tribes, um, all of these Bamot will eventually be smashed and broken because Yeravam has now led the people towards idol worship. And uh, uh, so the, the Navi Hazakain, the elder prophet, got the message. After this this uh, this thing had occurred, this uh, event occurred that we just read about. Yeravam never returned from his evil path. He didn't get the message, despite now two prophets. And remember, I'm going with the fact that this, uh, with the idea that the Navi Zakain is a good prophet, is a real prophet, right? So, um, so Boasso um, <coughs> made a mistake in tricking the younger one. But like I said, that's something that happens. But Yeravam did not return from his evil path. He never got the message, despite the, all of these uh, signs that have come his way, that he should. Vayashav, and he went back. Vamos, and he and he just pretended to be a populist, and and he took from the nation. He said, you know, you guys, you you can be priests to these new bamot. Whoever wants to. Right, can go ahead and anoint himself by bamot and be be a kohen and be a priest. So here, Yeravam is being a populist, saying everyone, not, you don't only not only those those uh, descendants of Aaron like they have in Jerusalem, but whoever wants can be a kohen. Uh, and this thing, this fact that um, that he didn't return from his evil ways and he led the people astray from God. And he led them in a way acting like a righteous person, acting like a person that was sticking up for the little guy. But this became a sin in the house and the family of Jeroboam, of Yeravam, which eventually led to the complete and utter destruction and annihilation of the family of Yeravam from the face of the earth. This concludes chapter 13. Thank you so much for studying chapter 13 together with me. Looking forward to studying chapter 14 the rest of this book of Kings together. Have a wonderful day.